0: Welcome to the Whole Self Podcast, where we talk about various mental health topics with an emphasis on the body, mind, and spirit connection. Our goal is to empower our listeners with the knowledge and tools needed to embark on their own healing journey. A gentle reminder that this podcast is not a substitute for therapy, and we encourage you to seek out your own therapy if needed. Hi, and welcome to the Whole Self Podcast. I'm Mandy, a former teacher turned office administrator and social media manager here. And I am Kate
1: Byler, one of the counselors here at Wellspring Solutions, located in Missing. I am a trauma therapist and have been at Wellsprings
0: for like maybe five years now. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, and we're doing a sort of a series, there's one other one. Um, So there's one other episode about boundaries for teachers. That's Mm -hmm. our last one. If you haven't listened to it and you are a teacher, that one is pretty good. Go give it a listen. Um, But today we're talking about trauma in students, which is why Kate is here, (laughs) because she's a trauma counselor. Yes. And as a former teacher, I feel like... I don't know, like, I, th- I think we had, like, trauma-informed trainings and stuff as right. teachers, but it wasn't really, like, I still found myself not knowing how to handle some situations and some student behaviors in my classroom.
1: Yeah, I think one thing is most people in job lines that aren't supposed to be meeting, like, the individual, per se, like, as a teacher, you're more so, you know, in charge of a classroom. You have individual moments with your students, But as like counselors or even certain healthcare workers, you are more one on one, yeah, with people most of the time, yeah. So I think we've only kind of hit the service of how to help teachers understand what trauma is, yeah, in each person, and that's a pretty overwhelming,
0: yeah, if you have a classroom of 15 or more kids, yeah, yeah. Like, especially some of the jobs I've been in, you have, like, 25 to 35 students. Yeah. And each of them has their own background and own uh, past stuff going yeah. on. So. so what is
1: trauma? Um, it's usually described as an event or ongoing circumstance. We, at the very beginning of our podcast, mm-hmm. there is one called Know Thy Trauma
0: episode. I think that's at the very beginning. Yeah, right? I think it's 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 definitely you probably have to scroll back a little bit because it was it was an early one.
1: Yeah, so that's a way more in depth of what trauma actually is and mm. how how it looks. So an ongoing event or circumstance, and also trauma is kind of where you were, and if you didn't have any resources during mm. the time of the event. Yeah. So if you and I were both in the same exact car accident, Mandy and You were able to go home to a a somewhat stable, loving environment, and people were making sure you're okay, gave you hugs, you know, were were able to talk you through it. You probably wouldn't have as much stress or post traumatic stress after the event. Whereas Mm -hmm. if if I went home into a different family that was more neglectful and like, oh, what's the big deal, that stress might stick with me more because Mm. it's who is our resources in that time of. Like stress, if that makes sense. Yeah.
0: So, would it make sense to say that like trauma is maybe less about the event and more so the impact the event had on you? Yes. Okay. Um, Which is why you'll find it in
1: your circle of friends, I'm sure you might have had similar circumstances happen, Mm. but feel less heavy from one person to the next. And That's that's true. Probably because of where you were and what resources or lack of resources you had after the similar events.
0: Yeah. Or support systems. Yeah. So that's really interesting to keep in mind as a teacher with, like, your students. Because, mm-hmm. like, I feel like as a teacher you get a basic idea of what their home life is like. Sure. So you kind of understand, you know, are they going home to that supportive environment or are they kind of left coping with things on their own? Right. Yeah.
1: Um, and then another attribute of trauma is the classic fight, flight, or freeze. mm and this doesn't always look like you th- you think it looks at face value. I think when I know when I first learned these what these three words were, I'm when, when I think of fight, I think I'm just like a kung fu fighter. <laughs> just <laughs> like, one. yeah, just like openly aggressive. Like, I'm going to fight you. And then flight, immediately running away. And freeze, your kind of just like inability to move at all. But yeah. really, like these come up in a lot of covert ways in your classroom, right? Mm-hmm. So you have like a fighter who's like, more of the smart aleck, you know, and willing to talk back. Yeah. Maybe, maybe get physical, but, like, that might not always be the case. So maybe just, like, more assertive even. Yeah, or, like, throws, maybe throws something, um, or just, like, immediately, like, you see their whole body change into, like, I'm going to argue with you now. I'm going to get aggressive Mm, with you now. Yeah. And then uh, flight might look more like the kids that are overwhelmed that don't turn in their homework. Yeah. Or stop trying. Yeah. Just kind of give up. Or even just skip class or stop coming to school. Yeah. Uh, And then freeze, I think, sometimes might overlap with flight Mm -hmm. of maybe Mm -hmm. just not really taking part in anything. Yeah. Maybe still that overwhelmness. Yeah. I think the covert ways these come out can overlap. Yeah. And students can experience all
0: or just one, you know? Yeah. So, like, this fight, flight, and freeze, those are kind of the responses that students develop to that traumatic event. Or to any kind of trauma or painful experience. experience. And
1: I think as teachers, you have to have boundaries and consequences but even in the midst of when maybe you're communicating with those students after the event, keep in mm. mind that that fight, flight, or freeze is really their brain telling them to keep them safe. Yes. So it's not always to be a jerk. Yeah. So like they're not trying to be <laughs> malicious or vindictive. Yeah. And it doesn't make it right. Like if no, if that yeah. student is getting up in your face calling you names yeah, absolutely not right at all. But as the adult in the situation, and maybe to help you handle it further out, to just remember, Mm. something about me is threatening, coming off as threatening to the student. Yeah. And their fight, flight, or freeze brain is telling
0: them, this is how you stay safe. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. So... Also, big T and little T when it comes to trauma. Right. Because I think as a non-trauma therapist, if I may, (laughs) you think about trauma as, like, you know, people who go to war or getting car accidents or, you know, dealt with, like, really, really big things. Yeah. So, and I wouldn't be surprised if you
1: learned some of this in any of the trauma-informed stuff Mm -hmm. at your schools. I know there's a good um, program. I don't know if it's called program think you said you learned it it's a. Uh, my husband is also a teacher for those of you listening yes i forget what it's called now if i know you, think you mentioned it. it all right if it comes to mind but i wouldn't be surprised if certain programs have taught this but big t would be things like you have a homeless a student that's homeless a student that has gotten major car accident maybe has lost a parent tragically or yeah. even just lost a parent suddenly um any type of like apparent physical or sexual abuse yeah. and little t can be a lot of what we probably have all experienced you know some of us in some point of our life whether you just have a very angry parent mm-hmm. all the time
0: mm-hmm.
1: would be big t you're experiencing um a parent that is emotionally unavailable to you. Wait, would that be little t or big t? Sorry, little t. Okay. Yeah, little t. Something that feels... If your first reaction is like, oh, that's not a big deal, Mm. it's probably little t Yeah. Unfortunately. Yeah. And so we just help specify it that way because the word trauma is like very... um, trendy right now yeah unfortunately yeah I mean fortunately and unfortunately
0: yeah like it's it's good to have the conversation about it but I feel like there is also the area for misinformation when something's a buzzword so
1: and just remember I always think it's tricky because trauma is to kind of each its own experience
0: yeah yeah and I think to I don't know I think as a teacher, sometimes we might, because I think I did this early on in my career where, like, if I knew a student experienced something, and I'd Mm -hmm. be like, well, that wouldn't impact me that badly, so that's probably not behind the student's behavior. Right. But just under, I think that's what's really helpful about, you know, you talking about how two students could experience the same event, where it would be traumatic to one versus not to the other. Yeah,
1: so little t is probably going to be the hardest to determine in your classroom yeah i'm sure i don't know how it works but maybe some big t stuff if it happens during the school year even some teachers are informed like yeah i know in some cases like a big t would be a a student's like house burned
0: down yeah a lot of yeah teachers would know about that yeah supply things and services or in some of the districts that i've taught in you know don't
1: shootings (laughs) yeah exactly (laughs) you know Exactly. So those are the things you, you would know. And so big T sometimes a little harder to understand what's going on. Yeah. The little T is harder. Mm-hmm.
0: That makes sense. And I think, I think that is what's hard about teaching, especially cause I was a specialist, mm. but you know, for obvious, like privacy reasons and stuff, like you don't know everything that's going on. Right. So I think the next section that we're going to go through is going to be really helpful. Um, because like you might not. Be able or have the time to like identify what is causing behaviors in your students, yeah. Um, you, I think, might only have time for seeing the behavior in your classroom and then what do I do to deal with this, right? Yeah, so we broke down this next section mm-hmm. into one, two, three, four different kinds of behaviors, yes, and what those might look like and what you can do about it from the perspective of a trauma therapist, which is super <laughs> helpful. Well, and so the first
1: one we have is kids that shut down really fast or are disengaged. So Mandy, why don't you give an example of how you would experience this in your classroom of a shut down kid?
0: Yeah, I think I saw or had a lot of students who would be like completely it, it was kind of a range, like, but some students would be completely disengaged, like, have their head down on the desk. They wouldn't respond if you spoke to them. Mm-hmm. You know, they would either come into class this way, or I noticed some students would do this if we had, like, a... This is with teaching art, like, some lessons were a little more challenging. So if they were faced with something challenging, they would just completely right. dissociate and just not engage and um, have their head down, refuse to respond um, and then, you know, you're there in your 30 minute class period or 40 minute class period. Mm-hmm. And you're like, okay, we've got 20 minutes left now. Like I'm going to need you to, uh, do pick something. up your head and do something. Right.
1: Yeah. Which I can imagine is like super frustrating, even like the not responding piece. Cause yeah. you're kind of like, what's going on? Yeah.
0: Yeah. And I think it's, you know, depending on the age you teach too, but I'm like with some, with some students, like I, I haven't done anything to you, Mm -hmm. and I know you're capable of talking, so, like, I'm, you know, very confused and frustrated that you're not engaging with me right now.
1: Yeah. So would you try anything with those
0: students that would sometimes work? Sometimes, yes. Like, I kind of had a pattern of, like, if a student came in and was very disengaged, I would get the whole class started, and Mm -hmm. then I would go to that student very quietly and say, hey, do you want to talk over here real quick? Do you Mm -hmm. want to tell me what's going on? Sometimes they would say yes. Mm -hmm. Other times, like, they would just stay completely disengaged. And Mm -hmm. so then I would say, you know, okay, like, I'm understanding you don't want to talk about this. I'm going to circle around. I'm going to come back to you and check in again. Mm -hmm. Um, And sometimes, like, that would... That would be effective. But there were times, honestly, in some of the schools I taught where I had students who would, like, just be checked out for the entire class. Right. And I'd be like, I I can't, like, physically lift up your hand and Mm -hmm. make you draw. So, like, I don't know what to do. Right. So you tried to meet the kid where they were at without
1: being like what the heck are you doing yeah and And trying to like need to
0: participate right yeah and trying not to pressure them into having a conversation but Mm -hmm. letting them know that like hey i'm not being confrontational i'm not trying to intimidate you i just want you to know that i'm here for you Mm -hmm. to talk about whatever's going on Mm
1: -hmm. yeah i think that's a good go-to first of how to i guess interact with it Mm -hmm. right instead of just being like you need to be doing this yeah and I know, I'm sure some teachers that are listening to this are probably frustrated. It's like, okay, well, like, they have to do something. Yeah. And I and I think, you know, it also depends on the age yes. and, like, the type of class you're teaching. Yeah. And yeah. so if, if it is necessary in your classroom that this person maybe is perpetually coming in and disengaged, I'm also thinking of, like, can you give them a choice of, like, Okay, you don't want to do what the class is doing right now. You have a choice to do this assignment or or do something different. Mm-hmm. So they're participating some way scholastically. Yeah. But you're giving them space to to not force them in a corner per yeah. se. Yeah. And and so when we do this podcast, we understand that there's all different types yes. of classes, different yeah. types of schools, regulations. And so we're kind of, like, throwing out, like, what is
0: maybe possible, generally speaking. Yeah, and, like, you know your school the best (laughs) and what would be the most helpful in your classroom. So things that are helpful, feel free to give them a try. And if they're not, you know, feel free to disregard them. But Yeah. yeah. so we also put down
1: um, allowing, like, fidgeting and, like, doodling. Yeah. Um, Especially if a kid is, like, really disengaged in... (laughs) I mean, doodling, they're an art. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like, well, if you, you can do something at yeah. least, I guess. <laughs> but allowing doodling while, like, you're talking as a teacher. Yeah. I think sometimes it seems like they're not listening. But understand that might be the way they can listen or engage in some capacity. If they're, like, doing something else with their hands. And understand that trauma and ADHD very much mimic Mm. in symptoms. Yeah. So if you have a kid that also has ADHD and maybe has trauma, actually doodling would do them great to listen and be engaged in your classroom. Yeah. And allowing, like, fidget things. I know, like, some teachers just have, like, a... A bucket of fidget toys on yeah. their, like, desk. Yeah. And allow the kids to just kind of,
0: like, go for it while they're
1: listening. Yeah.
0: Because I think it is important to keep in mind, because I, like, I would have, I'm thinking of one student in particular who would be, like, repeatedly shut down, and I would mm-hmm. get so frustrated, and by the end of it, I'd just be like, fine, I'm not, like, I don't want to have any, like, you're if you want to do right. nothing, do nothing. Mm-hmm. Like, you will get a bad grade. That'll mm-hmm. be your consequence. But, like, I think it's also kind of important to remember what you were saying earlier about, like, this is the student's brain telling them it's not safe. Mm-hmm. So I think, you know, some of these things that we're suggesting might sound like coddling the student right. or, you yeah, know, being too... Yeah, But sure. Yeah, but I, I think it's important to recognize that, like, you're most likely working with a kid who doesn't have the tools or experience yet to healthily cope with something hard that's happening in their life. Mm-hmm. So, like, by you being able to potentially offer these different kinds of... You know, things like fidgets, doodling, checking mm-hmm. in with them. Like, you you are helping them in a way, like, find safety. Yeah. You know, it yeah. might not solve the problem, but, you know, you're in some way helping their brain or, like, their nervous system come back. Right. In, in line.
1: And in all of this, like, if kids just keep denying, they do have natural consequences of a bad grade. Yeah. But keep in mind that you can still enforce those natural consequences and create a safe space.
0: Oh, that's, yeah. Right?
1: Like, someone can still get an F in your class, but feel safe in your class. Yeah. And, like, I try to tell my husband, who's, like, a high school teacher, is, like, if your kid is getting, like, a D, but they come up to you and open up about life or just, like feel comfortable sitting in your classroom, then, like, that is actually going to help them in life a lot more. Yeah. And it doesn't, like, mean the quality of your teacher. Like, my husband will be so funny. He says he, like, tries to eat lunch by himself in his classroom, but then i will have some kids just, like, trickle in and be like, Mr. Byler, can we just eat in your classroom? And I'm just like, that just means you're a safe person. And they might be doing really bad in school. Yeah. Yeah. And so I, I think teachers, like, I don't know, but... I'm curious. You maybe you told me being a teacher, like if your kids are doing like bad scholastically, does it make you feel like you're bad at teaching?
0: Yeah, I mean, I think it would probably depend on the teacher. Mm-hmm. I think for the amount that I personalized things when mm-hmm. I was a teacher, and the amount to which I felt responsible for my students' like actions and behavior, I think I probably, especially early on, I felt that to be true. Right. Um. Definitely, while I taught middle school. Right. Because I'm like they're older, you right. know. <laughs> The younger ones, I'm like, I can't control a kindergartner who keeps eating the crayons. Yeah, it just happens. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, so the second behavior um, is outbursts. So Mm -hmm. this could look like, you know, thinking of my classrooms, like, just a sudden explosion of emotion. Right. So whether they're yelling, whether they're, um, honestly, flipping desks. Yes. Like, I'm thinking of. Throwing things. Yeah, and this, this could look more like, you know, a student who is Fighting. Yeah, curse um, words. Yeah, you know, whatever. Or even a student who just suddenly, like, I've had some that would erupt with like, and all of a sudden just start like yelling, but be more upset than angry. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, like yeah. I, I had a student one time that he was handing out papers. I gave him a job because he was being very like uh, fidgety, and so I let him hand out papers. And I turned my back for a second, and I heard this noise. I turned back around, and he was shoving another kid through my row of desks and then he just like walked out of the room and I was like uh, okay we didn't cover this in college and You're like oh right well now yeah. what yeah well and I wonder
1: and this is to no way like demean anyone under the age of like 24 <laughs> but like I feel like from like school year to like you're 24 like you are just kind of like a giant toddler yeah (laughs) so like if you're a teacher right I'm just trying to think of my own life with my toddler like when I'm super escalated when he's escalated like Mm. it just is so much worse yeah and so like I know you guys know this as teachers but it's really hard not to then get like alright fine like yeah. sit down blah blah yeah. and sometimes you have to do that when it's a whole classroom yeah so again like yeah, take these with like when you think of individual students yeah and like also like do what you need to do to stay safe. Teachers don't, like, listen to this and be like, I need to stay calm, and now this person's going to punch me in the face. Like, do what you need to do to stay safe. But if you have an escalated student, try not to match their escalation, essentially.
0: Yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense. And to clarify, too, I have taught in some very, 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 very urban school districts. Right. And, like, low-income Districts and yeah. so does Kate's husband. So yeah. some of our examples might be not like, what you've experienced. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Like what school is this where people are shoving people through desks? Right. And a milder version
1: of that might just look like a kid getting up and leaving, or yeah. just just like choosing to be argumentative with you in a disrespectful way. Yeah. Um and so what what can help maybe is at the beginning of your school year Um, have them write three things that they know calm them down. Mm -hmm. And so you have them, like, create, just as a point of reference, if this sounds like something baby for you to do for your high schoolers, my grad school made us do this, (laughs) okay? (laughs) So it was, like, our first day of grad school, I'm, like, 27, and they're like, yeah, we're going to make a safety plan when you guys get worked up in here and you're – we're going to have it, and you're going to have it, so you can look at it and know what you need to oh, do. Wow. Yeah. Because, like, I mean, you know, trauma counseling, you're talking about trauma, you're going to get triggered. So they're yeah. like, what do you need to do? What helps, you know? Yeah. And I was just like, wow, this should be for all yeah. teaching environments. Yeah. I think so. Um, and that way, you know, when you see a kid getting escalated or even comes in escalated, I'm sure you guys have just seen, like, mm-hmm. some a kid sit down and you know immediately. Yeah, like something oh, happened in the hallway. Or trap. Like, yeah. Like, this is not going to be fun. Yeah you know, whip out their little safety plan card or whatever you want to call it and give them permission to use it. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And say, hey, do you want to use yours today? Yeah. Something like that. So you're catching it mm-hmm. before it, like, really overloads.
0: Yeah, and I think even doing a survey like that helps with the relationship building because, like, you're showing the student, hey, like, I'm in your corner. I want to help you when things like this happen. mm mm-hmm. um, And... I think, too, like, building your own protocol. Like, in some of the districts mm. I worked in, sometimes the school would have a protocol. Sometimes, like, the, me and the teachers in my hallway would figure out, like, if I notice this kid is starting to get ramped up, I'm going to have this fake envelope that says right. this other teacher's name on it. I'm Like, hey, can you real quick go give this to that person? Maybe stop, get a drink of water on your way, you know, then come back. Right. Um, yeah. But I, th- I feel like, too in all these that we talk about just having a having relationship with your students mm-hmm. is helpful Definitely. like just kind of knowing them and knowing their what their usual personalities are like right and, oh the next one is my least favorite one cuz this one always gave me the teacher sweats <laughs> yeah 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 and that is defiance so when this could look like The students that are arguing that like you maybe give one really basic instruction and they jump at that as a chance to like argue with you. Mm, Or they refuse mm -hmm. to do work or they're refusing to comply with your rules or procedures. Like I'm thinking in particular, the one school that I worked in had a very strict cell phone Mm, mm -hmm. like rule and so the students knew in my classroom that like if i saw your cell phone it doesn't matter if it was like sticking out if i saw it i took it Mm. and and our school would hold the cell phones locked in the office and a parent had to come and pick them up and this was middle school (laughs) and and but the kids knew this and they did a really good job of respecting that but i had one extremely defined student who took his phone out and was texting under the desk and i was Mm -hmm. like hey you know the rules. So you've seen it happen. To everyone else. I need your phone, mm-hmm. and he flat out refused, and like just got super defiant, super disrespectful. Mm-hmm. I was like, teacher, sweating, but I was like, I'm gonna stick with this. I'm gonna stick with my boundary and my rule. And it actually got to the point where I was like, sorry, like I can't let you leave until I, until you place your cell phone in my hand. You're not leaving this classroom. I had to call the security guard to come down. Oh, fun. And she like she came down. She was and her security guard sweat yeah well she was this giant woman that the students loved and feared her um but and he eventually gave me the phone and then but he was never like that defiant again Mm -hmm. so is that something like what's helpful so So what you
1: describe is like kind of sticking to like the strict boundaries in place of like a defiant kid because
0: what they want to do is like see if you care
1: yeah. So you're saying they're
0: like <laughs> testing you. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. They're totally testing. They're not just you. trying to make you sweat and make you go home and cry. No.
1: <laughs> and maybe we'll have another podcast of understanding teacher sweat because now I just yeah. need to know the difference. <laughs> oh,
0: it's a it's a it's a special <laughs> kind of sweat.
1: <laughs> so I can see how these kids would activate that though, because it's kind of like what do I do in this yeah. moment? Yeah. But I do think having, like, strict boundaries with those kids is them, like, demanding respect mm. from you and from them. Yeah. So when I used to, like, run an after-school program, just kind of being, like, nope, you come with this or you say this. Like, you're not coming the next day. Sorry. Or, like, yeah. that's not what we do here. Yeah. We still care about you, but, like. And and knowing kind of like depending on the relationship you have with your student, I wonder if it would be appropriate to say something like, "I I know, I know there's like so much to you. Like I yeah. believe in you, but like I do have to enforce this. Yeah, like, yeah. I can't like calmly like I I know you. Right. I care about you. But yeah. This is
0: still a rule of our right. Classroom. This is
1: like not acceptable. Yeah. And like I. I'm free to, like, debrief this or process this if you want, but, like, this is, like, what we need to do now.
0: Yeah. Type of thing.
1: Um, But, yeah, strict boundaries with those types of kids. Um, If it's safe and, again, age-dependent and, like, if it's safe with the family, even having, like, mom and dad in on this of, like, helping with boundaries. So, like... Homework stuff, like, whatever that looks like. Mom and dad kind of in on, like, the plan of, like, yeah. how to keep, you know, things going. Yeah. So you don't feel like you're the only one pushing yeah. for something.
0: So like if the parents kind of know what your rules and procedures yeah. are. Yeah. And know what your boundaries are as yeah. a teacher. And,
1: again, that's tough because, like, you don't know if they're safe parents or not. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But sometimes you can get a feel when you give them a call and talk to them yeah. or something. Yeah. So, again, like, sometimes these things are, like... A hit or miss. Yeah,
0: for sure. Like, yeah. it's okay
1: if you're like, oh, shoot, like, that would, did not go well. Yeah, or, that didn't help. <laughs> yeah, it made things worse. Like, yeah. that is a part of this. Yeah. Rather than just sitting back and doing nothing, Yeah, I guess. Yeah, um, And I was telling Mandy when we were talking about this that most people don't think about gender roles when it comes to no. teaching. So, like, for my husband, for example, like, he... Works in an urban school district, and he'll have some males kind of be, like, really disrespectful and just, like, frustratingly so, but, like, sometimes they'll be, like, really great for a female teacher, Mm. and so I think keep in mind a little bit, so for him, like, if an urban school district primarily, like, fathers may be absent, then what are you, like, kind of... (laughs) representing as a male an authority figure yeah um and vice versa if someone has an abusive mom or a dad what gender are like what are you triggering in a kid as an authority figure yeah as that gender with this like relationship to mom or dad and then how does it transfer onto a male or female teacher yeah so sometimes if you're like oh that kid's an angel for me and then a nightmare for like another gender like maybe just i'd say that to keep it in mind
0: yeah yeah because i think like the disclaimer of like you are not a therapist as Mm -hmm. a teacher and like you're really not going to be able to do all this emotional math Mm -hmm. and like solve your students problems but I think it's all very handy stuff to keep in mind Mm -hmm. and like be aware of so when you see behaviors pop up I feel like it also helps you like not personalize it yeah which we'll talk yeah we're going to talk more about that there's going to be a part two to this one right um about how trauma can show up in you as a teacher so shameless plug (laughs) yeah for that woo Um, yeah and I think
1: if if you encounter what you think might be a gender role issue, the best thing you can do is stay safe and consistent with your boundaries and calm. Mm-hmm. So you're, like, proving this kid wrong. That like yeah. You're not, like, X, Y, and Z. You're yeah. You're not just going to give up on him or her. Yeah. You're not going to explosively get angry and, yeah. ab- and abuse them. Or, or you're not going to
0: abandon them. Or, right. Exactly.
1: Yeah. So remember, like, these kids are spending way more time with you than their own parents sometimes. So, like, hello. Yeah. Yeah. Like, we're going to – you're going to see a lot of crap go down in your classrooms.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Yes. Oh, fun. Isn't it fun? Um, But, yeah, and I did find with these defiant students, it kind of seemed like the kids who – didn't have, like, the boundaries at home mm-hmm. were the ones who would be the most defiant. Because it seemed, like, I, I don't know, it's a personal theory, and maybe you as a brain professional can, mm-hmm. can let me know. <laughs> well, that should be my new, um, yeah. Kate Byler brain professional. <laughs> but, like, it, it almost feels like kids innately want boundaries and structure. Yeah. You know, so they would, these kids would go looking for it harder than other kids because they didn't have it at home.
1: Yeah, for sure. Next set is the nervous and perfectionist kids, which I think if I was a teacher I would they would drive me the most crazy.
0: Yes, they they definitely triggered me the most. Like, the defiant kids scared me the most, and then the perfectionistic, (laughs) nervous kids, I would get, like, immediately frustrated. Right. Which I think is... nothing to do with them type of frustrated. Yeah, like, Mm -hmm. it would would be, like, a trigger response, probably pointing to something in my past. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Was I a nervous perfectionist? Yes. So, (laughs) yeah, so, like, what that looks like is constantly asking for reassurance, (laughs) Mm -hmm. asking a lot of questions, asking to go to the guidance counselor. Like, I had one student that you know, doing art, it's more creative and more abstract thinking. And mm-hmm. with that lack of, you know, structure, they would constantly be like, am I doing this right? Am I, can, can you look at this? i am doing, mm-hmm. like, every time. And I'd be like, I need you to not mm-hmm. do that. Um, yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And so you can put a boundary on those kids. Like, you get three questions a class. Yeah. <laughs> right? Like, not in a way to be, like, minimize what they're feeling but you're you don't want to create a codependence to like yes. have them be like just to succeed they need to make sure you're saying yes you're yeah. doing it or
0: like for them to stay regulated and calm during the class they right. need your constant attention right like that's not a good precedent to set. yeah
1: so um yeah kind of putting boundaries around those things asking for re- reassurance or taking up a lot of questions um yeah, talking to their parent again if it's safe and giving them resources. So sometimes these type of kids actually would do really well in counseling from the get go. Sometimes mm-hmm. because they're just getting the attention that they want. Like yeah. they're they're by asking lots of questions, they're wanting a lot of validation, a mm. lot of affirmation. Yeah, and counseling is a way that like the professional cannot can create a healthy balance. Yeah, of attention but not codependence. Yeah. And so maybe giving, like, a therapy plug type of idea to the parents.
0: Yeah. Or at least, like, making sure the school counselor knows about right. the behavior. And yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because I feel like with these students, and I don't know if this was the right thing to do, <laughs> but um, I, like, had it as a, like, standalone rule in my class that if, like, because we would sometimes, some some of our more, like, art projects that had directions. I would, Mm -hmm. like, demonstrate on the board, and then I would walk around the classroom, and I would tell them, if I walk by you, that means you're good to go. If Mm -hmm. I walk by you and don't say anything, if I stop, it maybe means, like, you needed help with one little thing. Or, like, there was one idea that I had. But, like, if I walk by you, do not ask me if it looks good. Do not Mm -hmm. ask me if you're doing it right. If I walk by, that just means that you're good to go.
1: Yeah, I feel like... I feel that
0: would work for, like, an art classroom and things like that. Yeah.
1: And art, I'm probably sure... I think we were saying this before, art probably drives the perfectionist kids crazy. Because there's always something that you can do better in. Yes. Like, there's always something to fix. Same with a writing class. There's always Mm. a better way to write a story or a paragraph. And so, kids usually just, like, shut down and give up if they're perfectionists. Yeah. Whereas, like, the perfectionist kid actually might might do really well with math because it's just one answer.
0: Yeah. It's more black and white. Yeah. And there's not this
1: abstract way to, like... Yeah. Get to the end of whatever the assignment yeah. is.
0: That makes sense. Um, but
1: yeah, and also just like like rationalizing like these grades are not like everything. Yeah. Like I feel like coming from a teacher, I wonder if that would be like really powerful. Not that you were like, I don't care about grades, but yeah. like you know, talk about your own story if you can. Yeah. Like, you know, yeah, I did really bad in this and like here I am today. Like grades are not everything, but like Yeah. The important thing is, like, you're trying to be here.
0: Yeah, yeah. And, like, the sometimes the, the process you're learning of making mistakes, trying again, learning right. is sometimes way more beneficial and more meaningful than the end result of the grade.
1: Yeah. I think these kids are just hard because what it comes off is they want so much attention. yeah. And it's hard and not, like, our human brain to, like, roll our eyes. Oh, my
0: gosh, yeah. Well, especially if you're, like, a burnout teacher seeing 10 classes a day. Yeah, and you're like, please, just, like, it's not. I have nothing more to give. (laughs) They're very needy. I think Needy
1: people, needy students are almost the hardest to deal with because it's, like, nothing you do is enough for them. Yeah. Hence the boundaries. Yes. Because you can help them as much as you want and they're still going to drive you crazy.
0: Yeah. Yes. And
1: they're probably just, like, looking for... Attention and wanting affirmation. And this doesn't mean the parents are innately bad at giving their kid attention. Yeah. That's not what it always means. It just means like maybe they have an anxiety issue. Things like that are popping up. Yeah. And so they just need a lot of validation. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Well, thank you, Kate. Yeah. Thank you for letting us pick your brain about trauma and students. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Um, yeah, thanks. Yeah, if you uh, like this podcast, be sure to follow us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you... Share it with sp- all your teacher friends. Yes. And you can find us on Instagram at Whole Self Therapists. Um, and then we're going to have part two, kind of as a follow-up, with Kate again talking about how trauma can show up in you as a teacher. Mm-hmm. So like, if you're experiencing burnout, if you you know, have higher levels of stress... And hopefully what to do to some degree. Yeah. How so this, this would be a good one for you. All right, everyone. Thank you. Bye. Thank you so much for listening. Any resources or links from today's episode can be found in our show notes. Original music in this episode is by Christopher Burkholder.